you for joining us for another podcast from Covenant Community Church. And now, today's message. Today, uh, I want to talk about something that's significantly important that you don't hear about often from the pulpit, except in cases of pastor appreciation or pastor anniversary. Today, I want to talk about my pastor, a true gift from God. A true gift from God. Hebrews 13, 17. Obey them that have rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your very souls, as they must give account, uh, and they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. Hebrews 13, 17. Obey those who have rule over you. Submit yourselves to them. For they have watch for your souls. And it's best that they do it with joy because then it's profitable for you. My pastor, a gift from God. As we draw near to the close of another calendar year, there are a number of people we need to be grateful to and for. We need to be grateful for people who in our lives have blessed us. We're certainly grateful to our parents who gave us fleshly life. But on the last Sunday of the year, I want to raise our sights to the level of being grateful to our spiritual leader on the earth. I want to give God thanks for this couple and their leadership, and they have become a blessing in your life. Let me just ask some questions and get some participation, and then I'll move expeditiously to the word. If I had a Christmas package and it was all wrapped beautifully, bows on top, and I said, this gift is for you, I'm going to give you this gift, all right? And then she opens it. She opens it with expectations. She opens it with hope. But when she opens it, she finds it's empty. What do you think her response will be emotionally? And you can talk to me. I won't send you outside, put you in time out, okay? (laughs) What what do you think her response will be emotionally? Where is it at? Okay. Huh? Resentment. How dare you play a game with me? You said you had a gift for me. You wrapped it up. It's supposed to be something in it. There's nothing. I have resentment. I am disappointed. I'm upset. That's what would happen if you came to this house of worship and the pastor didn't deliver. But God has sent you leaders who deliver. Hey, come on, y'all. All right, don't make me take up a second offering. God has sent you a gift. And invariably, what happens is we give everybody else gifts but the gift giver. Okay, I'm going somewhere with this. Let me take the reciprocal of that. What if 
I gave my wife a gift, phenomenal gift. Uh, I'm on this chocolate diamond kick now. You know, I've started the collection. I've given her one piece. I'm going to give her another piece later, probably 2046. But uh, I'm going to give her another piece later. <laughs> but what if I wrapped up the gift? had the bracelet, the chocolate diamond bracelet, gave it to her, and in my presence, she opens the gift, looks at the bracelet, says, throws it on the floor, and act as if it's insignificant. What do you think I would feel? Come talk to me. Hurt, what else? Rejected, what else? Angry, what else? Disrespected, what else? Deceived, what else? Unappreciated. I'm going somewhere. How many times do we see the gift that God gives us and we in God's face treat it as if it's insignificant. How many times? And ladies and gentlemen, this let me say, parenthetically, I was a pastor for, at one church for 37 years. And there have been many days my heart cried because I gave all I had, all I could muster, all I could gather from any resource to give and got it thrown back in my face and walked over as if it was insignificant. That's bad enough for me as a man. But what about, what about, what about God? How do we treat God's people? We'll start with the leader first, the pastors first. But how do we treat them when, in fact, we listen to others more than we listen to those who are responsible for our souls. Let me just tell you something. I, I, I'm the kind of person that I'm either 110% for you or I'm zero. I either like you, love you, or you're my brother, my sister, and I got to love you. That's Bible, ain't it? I'm biblical. Don't, you know, I don't play, I don't play political games. I, 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 you know, I don't, I, don't, I don't go around saying, oh, your hair looks good and you bald-headed. Ain't that right, lips? So, so when, when I see God's people mistreating leadership, when I see God's people mistreating each other, it brings real pain to my heart. And what I'm suggesting, ladies and gentlemen, is that I think when the, you receive the word from those that God has placed over you, then you ought to act it out to the door outside the door, and wherever the door leads. 
the greatest joy I get in my life. I have licensed some 81 ministers in my life. And they're pastors all over the world. The greatest joy I get is seeing them excel and succeed. What we as pastors want you to do is to be giants in the environment in which Christ has placed you. Now, I'm going to go to some stuff today that's going to probably reactivate some stuff you've forgotten. But I thought on this last Sunday of the year, you need not go into 2018 not knowing that, one, you got good leadership, but, two, you got to follow it to get the results. Amen? Amen? Here's what the Lord has said in my heart for 2018. He says, it's the year of supernatural favor. Can I just speak this word over this congregation, Pastor? Here's what the Lord put in my spirit. This is the year that your dreams will be reactivated. Things that you once dreamed of shall be reactivated and come to fruition, not because of you, but because of the God in you. Number one. Number two. This is the year that if you're going to receive the supernatural favors of God, you may have to cut or loose some folks who've been hanging on to you. Because if people are not promoting you, they are demoting you. And listen to this, ladies and gentlemen. The truth of the matter is... Some of the folks around you are hanging on to you because they can't get anywhere by themselves. So they expect you to drag them. But I heard, and I I know I'm taking this out of context, uh, but I heard in the word, lay aside every sin and weight. That what? So easily besets you. I don't care if they've been your buddy for 49 years and 22 days. If they are not walking the way in the direction you're going, you need to make some changes. Let me me just tell you. Let me me throw that. And I got one other point, and then I'll come back and get started. When when, when I came back from Vietnam, and we had been dating for about how long? Four years, three years? Yeah, I I left college. Exactly four, she said. She know. Women know that kind of stuff. All men do is try to remember birthdays. But at any rate, I came back, and I was just hanging out. She said to me, either we need to get serious or I'm going to move on. I said to her, do you know who I am? I am a Brooks. Brookses don't have problems with women. We just don't have that problem. She said, I don't care. If we don't get serious about our relationship, I'm moving on. Well, move. I say it. I went to the jewelry store that night, got a ring. There are 
are some things you just have to elevate to the next level. God doesn't like mediocrity. God loves excellence. Everything he did was good and very good. And so in your walk in 2018, don't hang around with mediocrity. Listen at this. All of you know that if uh, there's a rotten apple in a, in a barrel or bowl or whatever, what's going to happen to the other apples in it? Do you think that the good apples make the rotten apple good? What happens? The rotten apple makes the good apple rotten. That's the same thing. Why do you keep hanging around with folks who don't want to love Christ, who don't want to grow, who don't want to attend church, who don't want to support the pastor, who don't want to support the vision? Why do you keep hanging with them and wondering why your blessings are being slowed down? Wow. See, The final thing in my 2018 supernatural movement is this. You can't change unless you move. You can't change unless you move. If you keep doing the same thing, y'all know what's going to happen. Same results. Leroy. I told you to be home at 6 o'clock. Dinner is cold. Leroy comes in at 6.30. Unless Leroy comes home or you change the time you cook, the food's going to always be cold. Is that right? How how many of you really, and don't raise your hand, just look straight ahead this time. (laughs) How many of you know that some stuff that the Lord has been prodding you to change, that you keep saying, I'm going to do it, but you haven't done it, so it's still undone. Unfinished. God has an abundance of blessings that he wants to give us, but we have to move to get them. The Lord gave me a revelation one time. He said, I was just complaining about how it was that Things were going on, and I was talking to God. And I talk to God like I do to you. I tell God, God, I don't understand. God, I'm upset. God, how come my wife don't understand me? How come, God, you don't change her instead of changing me? And he said, because you need changing. Right? Okay. So, so when I, I was talking to God, and God said to me, um, what if when you get to heaven, there's an area, let's just say a storage area, a barn, warehouse. No, he said warehouse. The word was warehouse. He said, what if there's a warehouse where there are blessings that has your name on it, but they're still in heaven because you didn't change when I told you? They were yours. James says the reason we have not Because we what? Then there's something that goes with that. And then you ask for the wrong reason, the wrong rationale. You ask 
for your own selfish, individualistic needs and not the needs of the body. If God answered every prayer you prayed, how many of them would be just for you? How many of them would be inclusive of your neighbor, of your school, of your children, of your church, of your enemy? See, we don't like that part where the Lord says, pray for your enemy. Yeah, we pray, but we pray like David, kill him, Lord, kill him, kill him. <laughs> Y'all know him, right? But then, but then, it says, that's not good because when I see you rejoicing over your fallen enemy, I will take the wrath away. And you don't understand how your enemy got away with stuff. You were laughing at him when you should have been saying, Lord, bless him. Lord, keep him. Lord, keep her. Lord, please. I know he broke my heart. Shattered into a thousand pieces. Don't let him fall off the edge of the mountain. Lord, keep him so he can reap what he has sown. And uh, now, the Bible declares that all of us need a pastor. Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 15 states, I will give you pastors after what? My own heart. God says, I'm going to give you what comes out of my heart. And it's going to be in the form of a pastor. It's going to be in the form of someone that's, responsible for your soul. That's account. Listen, there were many nights I laid down to go to sleep. My concern was not me or my immediate family. My concern was the congregation. Let me, let me, let me give you one clear example. We built two new churches in, in my ministry. Uh, the first church we built in 1981. Uh, it was about, we'll see it about 600. And we were so happy, we were so glad, we were so proud, we were so prideful. Heard pastor talking about building? Don't let the building raise your pride. Let it raise your humility. Okay? And so we were so prideful. We were so prideful. And some years later, uh, 1998, we built another sanctuary uh, that would seat 3,000. And it was ready to go in. And the Lord said to me, don't go. Come on, God. You know, we worked hard and we've gone through all of this trepidation, raised money, da-da-da-da-da, you've given us favor, all of this stuff. And you're telling me not to go in? He says, yes. I said, why? He says, I don't want you to put new wine into old wine skin." I don't want you to take that group of prideful people to a new sanctuary uh, and have a greater opportunity to ruin other lives with your pridefulness. For 30 days, I told the officers, we are not going into the new sanctuary. We had set up people to come in, artists and all of these things that happen, you know, when you have grand openings and stuff. I called them and said, look, postpone it 30 days. Not a single solitary one of them couldn't postpone it. The Lord said, don't go. I said, okay, 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 cool. 
I got you. I said, what am I to do in the interim? He says, here's what I want you to do. Teach my people to be humble and submissive. Because where you're going, nobody in this area, there's not a church in this area that large. There's not a church or congregation, uh, particularly of this ethnicity, that's had a church this large. And your people are going to be proud. What I want you to do is for them to give me glory. I don't want you to let them talk about you. I don't want you to let them talk about what we did. If they don't call my name, there will be trouble. I am your Jehovah Jireh. And so I taught and taught for a solid month on humility. Okay? God would not let me go forward until our people were ready to go. You remember a similar story. You just didn't think about it. At the Jordan River, Joshua was ready to lead people into the promised land. The Jordan was at the flood. But the older people who did not believe what God could do died in the wilderness. I've come to tell you that in 2018, you don't have to die because God has a sovereign, supernatural plan for you. Now, the key is I want you to know that you got to have leadership. Here's what happened. Just, just at the River Jordan, Joshua normally would not have crossed the Jordan because it was flood season. Right? So, rather than him sending somebody with boats and pontoons and whatever to cross, who did he send first? The priest. As soon as their feet touched the water, the water rolled up. They picked up stones and started to build a memorial to honor God. Ladies and gentlemen, please don't leave this year going into the next year not honoring God. Amen? Okay, I'm going somewhere. Let me quickly. Because give me some time. I don't, I don't have my watch on. They gave me a watch. I didn't wear my watch. Uh, and so, ooh. So that means you got to give me another one. Um, <laughs> God is saying, I'll give you pastors after my own heart, and I'll hasten. He's telling us that pastors are gifts from him. And some people say, well, why do I need a pastor? I can stay home. I can watch television, get fed from the word of God. I can listen to CDs. I can stream. I don't need a pastor. God wants us to understand that we need a pastor. Everyone needs a pastor. I have a pastor. You, you may hear the statement, well, I have many pastors. Well, this is not so according to the scriptures. You may have gone through many pastors in the past to get to the one you now have, Finding a pastor is like finding a wife. Not everybody is in a fit. You see what I'm saying? God has designated you to be a follower of this couple because there's a temperament, there's a magnetism that God ordained, and not everybody can be a member of this congregation. He already told you, if there are some things you want to happen, you're in the wrong church. But if you are here, you're God ordained to be here. So if you're God-ordained to be here, don't let some knucklehead start talking negatively you about negatively about your leadership. Amen? Let, let, me, let me help you with something. Let me help you with something. 
I have two kids. My oldest is a son. My youngest is a daughter. And in our whole marriage, we probably haven't had six months when we weren't having somebody living in our home to help them. College kids or nieces, nephews, cousins, uncles. Everybody thinks for whatever reason that we can support them. <laughs> you know, a Salvation Army or something, I don't know. But at any rate, at any rate, the deal is, the deal is they have to follow our rules. Is that right? And, and, and so from time to time, what happens is we get one or two who think that, well, I don't, I don't have to obey Uncle George's rules. Okay, cool. You don't have to stay at Uncle George's house. Amen. I don't have to be home by 1 o'clock in the morning. Well, let me help you with something, son. When that door opens and says front door open and I'm asleep and I wake up, you have to have a legitimate excuse that includes uh, the fact that you've been in a flood, that there was a fire, and that the ambulance broke down bringing you. You better have something. Because when I go to sleep, I want to sleep. Amen? So one of my nephews really tried me out. He tried me out. He was a junior in college, you know, he's a good kid. You know, he had been down to Clark and transferred back to NT. And he was a good kid, good kid. And um, he came in one night about 1.30. My time is what? One o'clock. Okay, so I get up the next morning and I said, sir, you were 30 minutes late last night. Oh, that's not bad, really. <laughs> I was only 30 minutes. I said, oh, okay, let me, let me give you an illustration. I said, a uh, uh, policeman was sitting at a stop sign. Guy rolled up to the stop sign, did a rolling stop, didn't stop, and came on through it. Cop pulls him over and says, sir, you ran the stop sign. He said, I slowed down. So the cop stopped beating, boom, 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 about five times. Then he stopped. He says, now, do you want me to stop or slow down? <laughs> You get the message? <laughs> so my nephew says, 30 minutes. Okay, son, go pack your stuff, get in the car, put it in your car, go to your daddy, who lived about 45 minutes away. Are you kidding? No, as a matter of fact, I'm going with you. Come on, get your stuff, put it in the car, close the door, turn on the ignition, go to your daddy. What am I going to do tomorrow? You should have thought about that last night at 1 o'clock. All right, go down. So he goes down there, gets down there, and his daddy says, um, George, uh, my son's here. I'm not going to call his name. My son's here because he's a preacher now, and he's a good kid. Amen. Hallelujah. Good pastor. Uh, some of y'all might know him, and you might see him and tell him his stuff, and he'll say, Uncle George is telling everything on me. But at any rate, he, uh, he, uh, he, uh, he goes to his dad. His dad said, why'd you, why'd you throw him? I said, he, he missed my curfew. He said, your curfew? You got a curfew? I said, yeah. He said, I don't have one. I said, well, let him live at your house. That's right. right? So uh, the only way he got back was he repented. The only way, ladies and gentlemen, 
we are going to get where God wants us to be when we're out of order is to. Y'all are so smart. Okay, so God wants us to understand we need a pastor. When you find the right spouse, you know the person was made by God just for you, and that's where I was, that this church is for you. The same is true with finding a pastor who is custom-made, tailor-fitted, to minister to you and promote spiritual growth, but you can't let other folks talk you out of it. When folks come to you with negative stuff about your pastors, here's what you do. Honey, would you stand up, please? I want everybody to see you again. If they come to you and say, now, we ain't rehearsed this, so I'm going to have to tell you what you got to do. <laughs> I'm, oh, she can handle it. Hallelujah. Okay, so, so real quick, real quick. So uh, I'm, a, I'm talking negative to you about your pastor. What are you going to do? I'm going to say to them, uh, why don't we go to the pastor together and talk? She knows. I trained her well. <laughs> the other thing you can do that's real, real quick that you don't even have to go to the past. Yeah, just say, say to him. What? Let's pray. Let's pray. Let's pray about. Let's, what? let's pray for him or her. Or her. Yeah, let's just pray for him. See, if somebody comes to you and say, you know, my pastor, he do this. You know, he got on a gray and purple shirt. And, you know, he got on brown shoes, got on striped socks, you know. And he cutting up and uh, all the time. What, what you can do to stop that, right in this track, it says, let's pray for him. Let's pray that he has socks like Bishop. <laughs> okay. Ecclesiastes 12, 8 through 13 says, vanities of vanities, says the preacher. All is vanity. And moreover, because the preacher was wise, he still taught the people knowledge, yet he gave good heed and sought out and sent in order many proverbs. The preacher sought to find out acceptable words, that which was written was upright, even words of truth. The words of the wise are as goods and as nails fastened by the master of assemblies, which are given from one shepherd. And further by these, my son, be admonished of making many books there is no end. A much study is a weariness of the flesh. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God. Keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. And the whole duty of the pastor is to lead you to a higher level. Can somebody say amen? amen. Solomon uh, elaborated on how the preacher um, uh, spends his time. He digs out, seeks the right words, words of truth, acceptable words whereby people can give good heed. Uh, just as a woman does not live with two husbands nor a man with two wives, God sets a place uh, for every person where he or she can grow to their fullest maturity. That's your local church. Yes. Listen to what Matthew 4, 4 says. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live, but that proceedeth out. So then, here's the deal. Who then brings you the word on a weekly basis? Pastor. So you got to honor him in that way. Not that he is your God, but he is the one that delivers the message from God that in, that in places and times you could not fathom. Is that right? 
So, so a rhema word is not what God has said, but what God is saying to you now about any given situation. The word received from the pastor will be such that you can't get it anywhere else. My pastor has given me words that nobody else could give me. It's like my wife. There are things my wife can do for me nobody else in the whole world can do for me. Amen. And so when you're coming to worship, what you want to do, you don't want to worship the pastor, but you do want to respect him. Amen. Amen. You do want to say, this is where uh, I am fed. This is who God has led me to. Don't let people uh, tell you that your church ought to be like every uh, church that's on television. Y'all hear me? We had a television program, but what people forget was we edited everything we put on. What you saw wasn't what we did. Come on, y'all. You be sitting up there and you like what you see on this program. Well, you know, Pastor so-and-so did so-and-so. Well, cool. Pastor so-and-so edited it before he put it on television. What we got to do is be realist. Things don't always go perfectly. Talk to me, somebody. Listen, it says, 1 Corinthians, for though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. You see, sheep know their shepherd's voice. That's the word. Is that not right? Uh huh. They know his voice. They listen to the shepherd, and then they follow. I'm a, I'm a National Geographic person. I love to watch National Geographic's. Every time I see an animal killed by the lions or some other predator, it's always because that one animal is out of place. He's not with the herd. Oh, he's weak and sickly. And he's over there by himself. And the lions, they see him. Oh, he's over there by himself. Let me sneak on over here. See if I can have me a meal. He gets over there, and the animal is so consumed with feeding himself. Y'all missed it. He is so consumed with feeding himself that he's about to be consumed by something and someone else who is a predator. And so what the lion does is he waits for this one loner. So he can kill him. That's all the devil wants. It's to get you by yourself. To get, let someone in your ears that's not for your own good. People who live in isolation live in danger. Do you hear me? They don't have any. But I noticed the elephants. When one of their little, when the lions, you know, get to messing around them elephants. The elephant going, you know, does it sound like an elephant? Yeah. It doesn't matter, baby. <laughs> okay? And those elephants heard that baby in the middle to protect him. That's what leadership does when your life is being attacked. When you're having a desert experience, when your body's attacked with illness and sickness, he heard you. He takes you, pulls you in the comfort zone of intercessors 
and people who can pray for you when sometimes you don't feel like praying for yourself. Don't look at me so spiritual. There are times you don't even feel like praying. Talk to me, somebody. Yeah, so, so you need that. Well, let me, let me hasten to a close. Prior to Jesus' earthly ministry, from birth to 30 years of age, he attended the synagogue on the Sabbath day. The synagogue, being his local church, was equipped with a local pastor who expounded the word of God. Jesus was faithful in attendance in his local church. It was customary in that day. In the book of Luke, chapter 4, verse 16, the word custom is the same as habit. It was Jesus' habit to go to church. Hebrews 10 talks about the fact, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. Oh, pastor, I can stay home. Well, you can't stay home. But you don't stay home on Monday. You're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who's called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Do I have a witness? Well, I'm getting ready to close. And when a preacher gets ready to close, it may take a while. But I'm getting ready to. First Thessalonians 5, 12 and 13 says, We beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work and be at peace among yourselves. Here's, here's what I want to do. I'm going to do two things and then I'm going to sit down. Here's what I want to do. I want to ask you how much do you really know about the person sitting beside you? If we say we are family, how much do you know about your brother or your sister? If we say we're of the family of Christ, when's the last time you prayed for the person that's sitting beside you? And most of us have places we like to sit in church when we come. How many times have you sat beside that person and never prayed for him? How many times? How many times have you noticed that their countenance was down but never bothered to ask them, are you all right? How many times have you taken them or their name to the altar before God and said, God bless my sister, bless my brother? How many times have you said, bless everybody on my row? How many times have you said, God, as I come in the house today, I want everybody in here to feel your joy. I want everybody to be able to praise your name. But instead, we get hung up on, I want to get my shout on. Well, your shout ain't the only shout in the world. Come on, somebody. Your brother, your sister needs some help. They need some covering. They need some understanding. They need some love. They need uh, somebody to care. And yet we come and want God to care for us when we have abused what he's given us as a gift and as a sister or brother. I'm just trying to throw some stuff out and sit down. A pastor is a proclaimer, an administrator, a shepherd, a trainer, an outreacher, a revealer. And so you should want 
You should want. I'm glad I got this word. I heard it. Partnership. You should want to join as a partner in doing the work here at Covenant. Amen? Number two, you should want to participate. Be faithful in taking part in all the activities of the church. Without you, without you there's no need for them. But without them, you'd be in a mess. Number three, promotion. Show enthusiasm for your church. Display uh, the fact uh, that you know your role and your place. But number four, pray. When prayer goes up, things happen. Amen? I'm going to close when I say this. Take my seat. I ask God, uh, I rearranged the way that Bob Moorhead had offered a challenge. And I changed the words, and I'll give Bob credit for what he wrote because what I wrote was added on to what Bob wrote. So here's what we wrote. <laughs> God, give us pastors ribbed with the steel of your Holy Spirit. Pastors who will not flinch when the battle's fierce. Pastors who won't acquiesce or compromise or fade when the enemy rages. God, give us pastors who can't be bought, bartered or badgered by the enemy. Pastors who will pay the price, make the sacrifice, stand the ground, hold the torch high. God, give us pastors obsessed with the principles true to your word. Pastors striped, stripped of self-seeking and yearn for security. Pastors who will pay any price for freedom, go any lengths for truth. Give us pastors delivered from mediocrity. Pastors with vision high, pride low, faith wide, love deep, patience long. Pastors who will dare to march to the drumbeat of a distant drummer. Pastors who will not surrender principles of truth in order to accommodate the applause of men. Pastors, pastors, pastors who are more interested in scars than medals. Pastors who are more committed to conviction than convenience. Pastors who will give their life for the eternal instead of indulging their lives for the moment in time. Give us pastors who are fearless in the face of danger, calm in the midst of pressure, bold in the midst of opposition. God, give us pastors who will pray earnestly, work long, Preach clearly. Wait patiently. Give us pastors who walk by faith, whose behavior is by principle, whose dreams are in heaven, whose book is, in is the Bible. Give us pastors who are equal to the task. These are the people that we need in our church today. And it can only happen, God, if you encourage and support what you have given to the people and they know that he or she is a gift from you. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you've been blessed by today's powerful teaching. Thank you for your continued prayers and financial support of this ministry. Visit us in person at 5805 West Highway 74 in Indian Trail, North Carolina. That's near Lowe's Hardware. Or you can find us on the web 
at www.changeatc3.org. That's change, C-H-A-N-G-E-A-T-C, the number three, dot org. Or call us at 704-821-7368. Covenant Community Church, where the truth is revealed.